All right, so on my way to do a TED talk at St Andrews, north of Edinburgh. Stopped off to see my pal Johnny Boy Steele, who you remember from the other two podcasts we've done in recent months. Now, there's a lot of interest on YouTube in the ice cream war murders. And Johnny Boy's brother was stitched up for this. Did almost 20 years, innocent man. Johnny Boy helped him escape, do the protest. We talked about some of that in the last podcast. But a lot of people out there have no clue what the ice cream war was about. So we're going to start. Johnny, if you could explain what the ice cream war was, what does that mean? Yeah, well, the ice cream war was blown into proportion by various newspapers, uh, especially when Joseph and T.C. Campbell had been arrested for the, the death of six members of one family, the Dodd family, who died uh, through smoke inhalation when there was a fire lit in a stairwell in the house in Rukesi. And um, some members of that family had an ice cream van, or a couple of ice cream vans, and uh, there was a quite a bit... The thing is with the housing schemes, most of the shops all closed at 6 o'clock in the evening. So after 6 o'clock, you were, you, you were hard to find a shop where you could go and get get some messages or, or whatever. But the thing is, the ice cream vans, the ice cream vans come into play and um, they wouldn't just sell ice cream and just they would sell bread, milk, you know, things you would buy in a grocery shop, newspapers, cigarettes. But um, there was a, 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 a particular moment in time when newspaper reports were carrying um, false falseness and out and out lies that drugs were being sold from the ice cream vans that was a lucrative business for selling drugs, cocaine and heroin and, and God knows whatever else. But I, I personally believe that that was all done through the series Crime Squad and um, to, 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 to highlight this crime that was already, didn't need any highlight, it was already quite horrific. And to make matters worse, putting rumours out to various newspapers and, and newsreels that these vans were being used for, for drug runs. And, and there was never any evidence at Joe Steele's trial, Tommy Campbell and Joe Steele. Never anything was mentioned about drugs being sold over an ice cream van. This was just newspapers you know, sensationalising and, and, and to... OK, let, let me just say something real quick then. I just watched uh, Count Dankula's video on YouTube, Ice Cream War, and he's saying a lot of people believe that the vans were being used to sell heroin, I think it was. But I was thinking about this. If you're selling, sending ice cream vans out to sell heroin... This is gonna, what, you're going to have a line of kids here buying the ice creams, a line of heroin addicts here buying the heroin... It, it, it yeah. just sounds ridiculous. Yeah. So you're yeah. saying now yeah. well, well, this was police propaganda. Well, that, that fella's prob probably right when he says that a lot of people believe that was going on because that was all sensationalised back in the day by various newspapers and, and, and news, news reports. So and it was rubbish because, as I said, there was never a mention of any drugs being sold over an ice cream van during the weeks upon weeks say Joe Steele and Tommy Campbell's trial. And I'm quite sure that if there was any drugs, skilled duggery going on with drugs over ice cream vans, 
and in particular when kids line up to go to the ice cream vans, as you rightly said, kids line up for cones and and so what would happen with the dogs bit one side and the cones but other, it's just bloody ridiculous, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that and, and that carried a lot of weight, I would believe, in the in the conviction of Tommy Campbell and Joseph Steele during the ice cream wars. There was obviously trouble with ice cream ice cream vans back in the day. Me myself was into robbing ice cream vans because one ice cream van owner would say, "Can you get rid of him?" No, as in pop. He doesn't get rid of. We'll smash his van up and get him, get him moved on to the scheme so they could take the run. There was quite a bit of that going on. So you know? ice cream vans were getting shot up because people were robbing them, yeah. not because rival drug gangs were trying to get the ice cream yeah. vans out of the way so yeah. they could have their ice cream yeah. vans. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Nothing was ever mentioned about drugs. That that was that was that was that was bad with their reports and you know and that that was just it wasn't even sensationalisation, it was lies, just out and out lies and it carried a lot of weight on on the conviction for the conviction and on the on the sentence of Joseph Steele and Tommy Campbell. Because what, what? That, as that fellow Count Dacula says, a lot of people believe. But all they need to do is look back through the transcripts and there was never a mention of anything about drugs. Yeah, so there were violent incidences with ice cream vans, yeah. shootings, robbings, etc. Yeah. The guy whose house got burned, Doyle. Mrs. Doyle family. The I Doyle guess. family. Yeah. The allegation was that he'd refused to submit to the drug gang, so then the, the gang went and burned his house down. Yeah, rubbish. And then, he, and what, did five people die in the fire? I think, I think it was six members of the one And the one was an 18-month-old baby. Yeah. And that, that, that's what created, you know, all, yeah. all of the uh, yeah, that's absolutely horrific um, thing that was news headlines. And then the police interviewed 1,500 people and they couldn't get anywhere with the case. Yeah. So they've got a lot of pressure on them now. Yeah. And, then, and this guy called... Love, well, I love. Suddenly, remembers a conversation in a pub. Yeah, involving your brother. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he 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 gave the police a statement, but he was also on trial. He was on trial for robbery, and I believe some of the robbers he was on trial for was today with ice cream vans as well. But well, I love um, has struck a deal with the coppers because the coppers will try to strike deals with everybody as they would in a case like that. If anybody. You know, they would trade an indictment, they would even trade a jail sentence if they, if they could have given information uh, relating to, to anything that could help to make a conviction against Tommy and Joseph back in the day. But Billy Liar, Billy Love, they called him Billy Liar, and Billy Love was under so much pressure himself with a with serious crime squad. And, um, he, and he made false allegations about Tommy and Joseph talking, overhearing them talking about a conversation in the pub that they, 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 burnt, they burnt the... The, the Doyle house. And then it found out, they found out much later on that Billy Love, the day that Billy Love said he overheard this this this, uh, this statement made in the pub, Billy Love was actually in the jail. So he switched the statement from one place to another on, on, on a different date. And the courts were all well aware of this, but it, it didn't really matter because... That was the biggest mass murder in, 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 in modern times in Scotland. Wow! This was before the this was before the Lockerbie disaster, the Lockerbie murders. So that case was classed as uh, the biggest mass murder in modern times in Scottish history. So yeah, I've no doubt that the court was under tremendous pressure to to, to to try and find the culprits. 
But that's in the game I like to try to, to go to him and just make up any any old any old excuses as to who do you think have done it and then bring other people in to, to back up their evidence to say that they'd overheard these guys saying that. Because once, once Love gave his statement and got released, yeah. then another guy gave a statement, didn't he? And he got released. Yeah. And um, when they arrested Tommy and when they arrested your brother, yeah. the main, some of the main evidence against them became the statements they made as they were arrested. Supposedly, yeah. Tommy said, I didn't mean to... Um, I didn't mean to... It was only meant to be a frightener. It was only meant to be a frightener. Yeah. I didn't mean to burn the house down. And Joseph supposedly says to the coppers when they were arresting him from my mother's house, I wasn't the one that lit the match. So two people who are in the criminal community, yeah. not doing murders or horrific crimes or anything at that level, but the street smart people, yeah. the second you get arrested... You're not going to say anything to the police. You're going no, to be like, right, I want a lawyer, right to remain yeah, silent. Yeah. You're not going to say, I wasn't the one who lit the match. The other thing is, when they, when they, when they arrested Tommy Campbell for his house, and they said they found that, they found the map. The map? They found the map with a circle, oh. with a circle around it. Now, the map, the cage is only a mile or two miles away from, from where we, we grew up. So we don't need maps for any, any locations in anywhere in that part of the east end of Glasgow. So they'd circled the map, the coppers had circled the map around about the, the Bank End Street where the where the Mrs. Doyle's family were, were housed um, just before they died. So they, they also verbal Tommy up and, 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 and said it was only meant to be a frightener. And Tommy Campbell streetwise, we're all streetwise, we all grew up being streetwise and the last thing you ever do is make a statement to the police, to the police... That, that can incriminate you, and certainly in a, in a statement like that, you know, that, 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 that put a nail right in the coffin as far as, far as verbal statements are concerned. So therefore Tommy says, I'm not the one, and sorry, Joseph says, I'm not the one to let the match, implying I was there, but I didn't, I didn't strike the match. But, you know, it wouldn't have made any difference anyway if he'd have been there and didn't strike the match, it would have been like part and parcel. And of course Tommy's, Tommy's verbal uh, it was only meant to be a frightener, implying I didn't mean to kill him. That's the way you would look at that statement. And um, and quite horrific as it was with the, with, the, with the poor Doyle family. But even more so horrific what happened to, to, happened to, to my brother and, and Tommy Campbell. Why, why do you think they settled on your brother and Tommy? I don't really know. I, I, the only thing I can think of is... I know the same coppers framed my dad back back in the day, probably about 1972. When you say the same police, the same, you mean the same, 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 same walking and through, same, same two top, top, top kiddies for the series crime squad. Yeah, they planted explosives in my dad's house uh, way back in the day, and my dad got a five stretch. The same coppers planted a a, a, a jeweller's card in a in my brother Jim's house. Because my brother Jim was accused of doing a robbery, they took one of the, the, the business cards for the jeweler shop, and when they were doing investigating a robbery, the coppers as us, and planted it in your Jim's house and said they found it there, implying that he must have got it for, for during the robbery. And um, the same two coppers again were involved in the, when we escaped from Berlin, they were involved in the, 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 the alleged bribes that taking place by, by, by certain prison officers. 
And these same two coppers but were, 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 were trying to convince us to, 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 to give them the screws that they thought had taken the, taken the bribes. And, of course, we weren't in a position to give them uh, a, a statement. And, um, and, and we played them along. We played them along because we were getting granted immunity, like I explained to you before. And bear in mind, TC was involved in the, in the jailbreaking when we, when, when we escaped from Bellini, me and my yeah. brother Jim and Archie. Tommy was involved, he was involved as, and as much as they had him in the untried. And Tommy lay in the untried, went to go to court for aiding and abetting in a jailbreak for me, with me and my brother Jim and my co-accused co Archie. So, when they, they, they asked us to give us the, give them a statement for the, for, the, for the prison officers that supposedly took the bribe, they would just give us the names and we would do the rest. But we weren't in a position to give them that statement. This is the same two coppers who were involved in Joe, Joe and Tommy's case in the ice cream wars. So when we, we, we played them along, we, you know, we, 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 well, we didn't play them along as, as such, but we went, well, we're going to get murdered here. We go back to Berlin, we'll not be in any fit state. We've fuck all left us to give you a statement, because we'll get killed, these guns will do us. That's the, way, that's the way it would have been. And they went, no, 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 we'll get you granted immunity. We'll have you out of this prison in quick time. In the meantime, you're protected. You're going to a hall with different locks on your doors. The Secretary of State for Scotland is now involved in this case. And we've got it for hierarchy, higher authority, that you will be granted immunity and you'll be put in a cell to we decide where you're going to go for here. And there's special locks on your doors that only one officer can get access to. So this is the coppers telling, telling me, Jim and Archie, this at the, just after we escaped from Bolivia. And the procurator Fisco, a guy called Skeen, he was a he kind of head honcho when it comes to, comes to indictments. And um, he came in the scene and he was he reiterated what the coppers had told us. And if he gives a statement, we will, we'll, we'll, get, we'll have you out of here. And there'll be no repercussions, there'll be no brutality, because we've got the Secretary of State for Scotland. He's looking down in this case. This, this is a serious matter and we need the coppers. So we said, well, we can't give you what you're looking for. Because we're going to get killed and then we're going, no, we've got that sorted, you're going to another jail. Any jail you wish, well, it's still over and done me because you've got TC lying in the untried for the jail breaking, and we're concerned that you're going to fit TC up and Shadow Lafferty, you're going to fit the two up for aiding and abetting us in the jail break. So we're not really in a position to give you it because we think you're going to fit them up and manufacture evidence to, 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 to gain a conviction. They were like, no, we'll not do that, you know, like, sure. We said, well, we'll give you the statement once TC's trial's over. So so they were relying on that. So when TC's trial came up, TC and Shadow Lafferty went to court, High Court in Glasgow, we were witnesses, we were witnesses for them to say that there wasn't any of them that broke us out. And um, anyway, they got a, they got a not proven the two of them, and it was, a, it, was a, it was great news, and we were all cheering and laughing, and the whole country was laughing, you know what I mean? But sad and tragic thing is, I wouldn't like to think that it was payback time for us with the coppers because it was the exact same cop. Because when the coppers did come back to us and Peter Heath saying, right, we're here for the statement, Tommy's out, be like, chase yourself. So they never got the statement after us. But ironically, it was the same two coppers, the same serious crime squad who 
were now involved with Joseph and Tommy. And it just so happens that they also fitted Tommy and what came out, uh, came out in the wash years later. Long time, long, long time later when Tommy and Joseph went back to the High Court in Edinburgh and won their appeal and, uh, and, and got released. But the same coppers were involved in the, the Skullduggery. They wanted us to fit coppers up. There were plenty of prison officers up in, in, in the prison for the, for the, for the, the, the bribe. And it just so happened that they were involved with Joseph and Tommy. Do, so, do, do you think it's easier to frame someone if they've got criminal history like that? They, they wouldn't pick innocent people. They'd no. pick somebody who's got some criminal history. Well, it would be more believable if you pick somebody with criminal history, but it's the easiest thing in the world to frame anybody. You could frame somebody with any evidence. I mean, you could commit a murder and, and somebody else could get done for it if, yeah. if you were clever enough to put your heads together. And that's, that's how the series Crime Squad in Glasgow gained a lot of their convictions through fitting people up, framing people. Yeah. It's a well-known fact and a well-documented fact. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I firmly believe that yeah, they, 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 were, they were gutted because we chased them for, for giving them a statement as regarding the, the, the guys that took the bribe in Blinney. And, and we made a fucking fool of them, to be quite honest with you. you know? Yeah. And uh, that's not the kind of thing they would have thought, forgot about quite easily. Yeah. And we were all known to the coppers, even my dad, my brothers, Tommy Campbell, Tommy's brothers, Tommy's dad. It was, it was one big massive family. On the one boat, somebody's all gone in different directions, but everybody knew everybody. So everybody, everybody who was involved in any any skullduggery, any crime going on in Glasgow or the around the everybody knew of the serious crimes because they knew of their tactics. They knew, yeah. they knew they knew they would be quite capable of doing. So this was such a horrific, heinous crime. Headline news all across the country. Yeah. When your brother gets arrested for this. Yeah. How did that feel for you and your family? Well, I was in jail, Sean. I was in doing my... At this time, I'm doing 16 years. Um, I've already had three years added on for the for the escape from Bellini. Yeah. And plus, I've lost five years of mission. Um, so I'm in solitary confinement. When when I get this news, for, and Jim's in solitary confinement, Jim and I are in a cell block in period prison, and somebody called in for the halls, because none of us had radios back by this time we were on dirty protests, so we never had any luxuries such as radios or cigarettes. And any news we got was filtered for, for the cell block windows, done into the punishment block. And, uh, of course, I was up at my hammock when, when somebody shouted into me. Uh, Johnny saw the news. Uh, well, we all knew it was all the news about the, 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 the thing with the Doyle family, the, the, the family dying in that fire. That, that was widespread. It was all over. It was all over the place. And there was photographs appearing in the newspaper that we managed to get a look at, and quite horrific photographs. You know, you see this family sitting, three and two and three brothers sitting in an ambulance, and oh. sheer horror looking at their faces. You know, it's devastating. And um, somebody shouted to me, "Your Joseph's been arrested for, for the for the murder of the Doyle family." And I thought, "Never, man. You know, Jesus Christ, that was just one blow on top of already. Or other blows that I'd already had throughout the years we've been." Fight with the fight with the prison guards and fucking. Did you know right away he was innocent and they'd, they'd been framed? Oh, I didn't. I didn't know right away. The, the shock. The shock was so much. You know what I mean? I I, I ended up coming off my hammock and I just couldn't. I try to try to take in what the what the fuck's going on here, man. Because I know Joe was only a pigeon, man. Joe was into his pigeons. Joe was. We were on to do as kids, ah. Uh. Big Tommy was quite violent. He was. A, he was a leader of the gang. Big Tommy. 
and uh, we all brought fight with each other. So Joe and Tommy were in the same gang. The thing is with Joe, here's 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 one for you. Joseph was born in Tommy Campbell's house in Cantine. Okay. Right. I don't know what was going on there, but um, I think I think my mad, I think my dad might have been been fighting with my mad's brothers because he did before five 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 or six brothers my mother had. And uh, I think there might have been some trouble, and my man, and my dad, may moved into Tommy Campbell's house, Tommy Campbell's dad's house, sorry. So, and uh, I remember as a kid, Tommy Campbell chasing me. I was always getting chased, I was up dikes and, you know, they couldn't get you done for your tea, you're climbing bridges. So Tommy's like, taking your, your mum wants you, and I was like, no. I she's got a surprise for you, and I went, no. I said, no, 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 I'm not going. I thought I was, I was getting ten him to get chastised for, 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 for climbing dikes and whatever. So he's got me anyway. Him and him and another guy, big Tammy Gray, and uh, Tammy was also a co-accused uh, Joseph and Tommy Campbell's. So they've got me, they're, they're dragging me up the stairs to, to, to Tommy's house in Rigby Street, and um, he says, "No, your man's got a surprise for you, a wee present for you." And then I was like, ma, I wasn't climbing dates. She went, I don't care what you were climbing dates. I know. She said, well, I'll go for you. And she put the blanket down, and it was your Joseph. Joseph had just been born. He was he was, he was, was actually born in Tommy's house, believe it or not. So, strange how it all, how it all transpires and through life and all that. How old were you when Joseph was born? I was probably about six or something when Joseph okay. was born. But, um... Back to back to the to the, to the fact. Not obviously the, the the coppers were probably under that much pressure. They would had to they had to find somebody. And Tommy Tommy had a, Tommy had a van on the road at that particular time. Tommy had an ice cream van on the road. I believe his sister had an ice cream van on the road at that particular time. But the same two coppers, the same series crime squad. That were trying to get us to fit the screws up or give the screws for, for, for the bribe by any means. Just give the names and we'll deal with the rest of it. Just so happened to the same two screws, same two serious crime squad coppers that, that had Joseph and Tommy in their clutches. And out of that came two verbal statements, which neither, neither said. Are they the same two police who found the map? This is the same mob that found the map, aye. And one of, one of these coppers, one of the coppers eventually took his own life. He put a hosepipe in his, in, in, in his gullet really? for the back of his motor into, into the back of his car. Wow. And, and, and killed himself. The other one died. But before they, before they could get brought to justice, you know. But yeah. anyway, justice was, was a long, long time coming. It still hasn't came yet because yeah. nobody was held accountable for for what happened for that. But the thing is with Joseph, Joseph, Joseph Joseph's in the car with five, five, five coppers, right? And when Joseph's supposed to have blurted out on the way to the police station, I'm not the one that let the match. It turns out that the copper who's driving the car stoves the car, pulls his notebook out and writes down what Joseph says and then drove the car away again. The other coppers, the other coppers um, pull their notebooks out. But it just so happens that as John Carroll found out, Joseph's lawyer John Carroll had done an awful lot of work and a lot of unpaid work into the investigation and the wrongdoing of Tommy and Joseph. John Carroll was an ex-copper himself, believe it or not. Yeah, Joseph's yeah. lawyer. It so happens that when these statements are all geared out and when it comes to the court time, 
for the for the for the trial. Every word was bang on. Every five coppers that was in that motor. They, 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 all they all wrote their statements down saying word for word. It wasn't me to let that match. And John Carroll brought a, a linguistic expert in. And he also, he also, done, a, he also done something in, in some of the universities or somewhere in Glasgow. Or he got somebody else to do it, a linguistic expert. He, he, he says, to, he was doing a, doing a speech, this fella. And uh, he says, I want everybody to stop for a moment and I want you all to take a pen and paper and write this down. It wasn't me to let the match. So he says, and then, and then we'll get back to it. So when he he does that, he 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 came up with that to to this this class, and when the class had done as he'd done with the, with the rest of the duties for the day, he got the statements, he got the bits of paper back after after students, and and hardly any of them got it right. Hardly any of them got it right word for word, and John Carroll used that with a linguistic expert in in the court. You know, to prove that the coppers were, the coppers made these statements up, and they were, all, they were all, they were all notifying each other's books to see what they'd written. Yeah. You know, and quite, 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 quite blown out of proportion the ice cream wars. You can talk about ice cream wars getting shot up, and well, you can also say the same about shops, can't you? You know, how many shops have been guns fired at them, and how many shops have been robbed, and you know, yeah. I can talk, think about that on a daily basis. But the ice cream world was never, never what the what the what the media tried to make it, and certainly, certainly wasn't what the police tried to make it. Because as I said to you before, never, never was there a mention of drugs being sold over an ice cream van at any time through the High Court trial with Joseph and Tommy Campbell. All right, going back to the day of Joe's arrest, then you've heard the news. Your head's just gone. Yeah. How long did it take for you? to kind of gain an understanding of what had really happened? And how were the prisoners reacting? Were the prisoners believing the news and calling you guys names? Or were the prisoners believing that the police had no, done some dirty work? No, no nobody, nobody was calling us names. OK. There was nothing like that. You know, everybody's aware of the police doing dirty work, but everybody was shocked. They were shocked at the, what happened to the Doyle family. Then when it comes out that's two people you know... Who's been charged with it? You're, you're still, in a, still, in a, still in a bit of shock, yeah. So you, you, you don't sit down and think. I didn't sit down right away and think, oh, the, the, the cop was fitting my brother up. You, you, you kind of get time to think like, oh, you can do is think about your, think about your brother, think about my main mother, think about my main family. What can be possibly going through their heads? You know what I mean? Yeah. And because um, my he was already scrambled, but on top of that, as I said, I was under a nail in my coffin. Because then I, I know there's, I know whatever way you're going to have to look at this, it's going to be a long fight. You know, and I, I, I can, I can, when we eventually brought my mother up to the visit. Well, to what was your mum's reaction? I'm going to tell you that in a wee minute. Yeah. When, um, when um, we finally got my mother up to the visit with, with some of the relatives having to take, bring her in and support her, and she was rolling green at the visit and said to me, Oh, my poor Joseph, hey, dirty bastards. And Brenda says to me, Mama, Mama, I was ready for a nervous breakdown, Johnny. The doctor says to me, Mama, have you any sharp things in here? Just take them away and hide them at the road so your mother can't get access to them. Because yeah. she was wanting to go up to East... My, my mother's never used, used a threat. To, oh, it was, but never threatened any, to harm anybody, certainly not with a knife. Mm -hmm. 
but my sister Brenda says to me, she was talking, we went up to Jesus police station and taking a big knife out of the kitchen and got up there and, 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 and went for revenge for what they wow. wanted Joseph, you know. Because I don't know about the I don't know about the verbal statement at this moment in time. I, I'm unaware of what's happening. I'm only I, I, I'm still in shock because you know because who's who's involved? Who have got done for it? Um, then my ma came up with a visit, and uh, Jim said, "Ma, don't you're okay, hen. Don't worry about it. And he'll he'll be fine. We go to court. I'll get it." And I'm saying to Jim, "Fucking hell, Jim, man!" I said, "What are you saying, man?" I said. Sugarcoat this man. I said, I can never going to get a Joseph Jim. This is the one of the biggest mass, the biggest mass murder in modern times. You don't think the cop was going to go to this trouble to pull Tommy and Joseph and then and suddenly let them get out? That's not going to happen. I said, you fucking think the pressure that they're under to, to, to take a try and get somebody in here. And I said, and it's the same mob who put us all under pressure to get a, to get a conviction, like a lumper, whether you done it or didn't do it. So I was saying to, to Jim, and I went, no, I'm not. I said to my mother, no, listen, mother. Get your coat of armour on here. The wall probably go out eventually, man. I said, I don't know what's going on. I said, but I'll tell you, it's going to be some fight. And, I, and that's what I'm saying to you as your, as your son. I'm, I, and I don't want to hurt you. And the reason I'm telling you because I love you and I'm trying to protect you and I'm trying to tell you to stay strong in there. Don't listen to what anybody else is saying to you or I'll get up and go to court. You know? And I, I, and I proved to be right. It was a long shot, you know, I mean, 18 years later. They were, still, they were still fighting for our freedom, Joe and Tommy. Didn't the police get promoted right away for solving the crime? Well, I don't have a pr- promotion, but they certainly would have. They certainly would have got many pats in the back, you know, because that that was that was a horrific crime, and, and you know, and on top of that, that was the biggest mass murder in modern times. So that's a, you know, they 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 have been they have been threw up in the air and caught the way back down again, you know, as if it was a wedding or that. You know, they they have certainly benefited out of that, and anybody else who. And then try to portray Big Tommy as, uh, as a monster, you know, the can time monster, and the emperor of the can time, and, and try to portray him to, 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 to justify the lies that they were telling about them. They try to put up these horrific stories, and then, there was, of course, there was bits in the newspaper about um, my dad's involvement with the Cray twins, and we were for a... We were for a uh, a criminal dynasty, a well-known family throughout Scotland. You know, anything they could use to to to, to blacken to blacken name at that trial, and they used every trick in the book, and and they, and they certainly got away with it. I'll give you an example. There was a when Tommy Campbell and Shadow Lafferty get freed for for jailbreaking us for Bellini in nineteen eighty, right? There was a photograph of Tommy and Shada uh, Shada Lafferty. Outside the high court, and I think Tommy's got a brawly, and he's smiling. The two of them are laughing in the photograph that the photographer took. But they took that photograph and blew it up and took Shadow Lafferty out. Shadow was also accused of being involved in ice cream wars, believe it or not. And uh, they took that photograph of Tommy and blew it up so that it was only him that was in that photograph. And they used that photograph. When 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 they were when they get sentenced, as if he was a smiling killer coming out of the you know, dirty fucking dirty tricks, you know. So when you just the coppers that were involved, well, you know, the coppers and, and a lot of the reporters, they were all they, they, they all worked hand in gloves. You know what I mean? So they used that photograph of Big Tommy, and I and I identified that photograph right away as the photograph of Tommy Campbell coming outside the High Court, laughing when they get not proven for the jail breaking us, but it looked. 
to, 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 to the ordinary, ordinary member of the public, they'd have thought, dirty bastard, come out of that court laughing, do you know what I mean? When, when that kind of, kind of charge hanging over you. So all sorts of skullduggy going on, on the trial. And they, they'd known about it a long time, and they, they, had, a, they had a couple of appeals, and <coughs> they'd done everything then to try and try and shut them up. I know, I know Tommy Campbell gets set about up in the prison, and he gets his spleen bust, they, 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 they give him a hell of a doing. Tommy had a lot of trouble trying to get his lawyer's letters out. Because in the days, when, when you were fighting your case, they, 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 they disrupted you. They, 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 they messed you about. You had, to go, you had to go on the quest to get a lawyer's letter. And then they would, they would try to find the governor who would give you the lawyer's letter. And then give you the lawyer's letter. And then the lawyer, you writing the letter and the lawyer not getting the letter. And vice versa. So, and, and Tommy Campbell went on hunger strikes. He went on hunger strikes on a few occasions he was almost at death's door. And this was quite Tommy's way of bring it, bringing the attention to, to, to the public what was happening. He, he, he wasn't in a position to fight his case because he, he wasn't getting the help necessary. He wasn't getting access to, 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 to paperwork. He wasn't getting access to court papers, you know, witnesses, statements. and So it was really, really, really quite a horrific case all round, you know, internally and externally, apart from the, the poor Doyle family was bad enough, but the skullduggery still continued on in smaller circles and in circles all over the country. Newspaper reporters, TV crews, prison authorities, you know, they were all in the act, you know, and, and Tommy had to go on hunger strikes on and, and, and many occasions to, to, to get... To, to get, gain publicity and, and let the public know what was happening. I'm on my hunger strike because I'm getting fucked about and I'm not giving me my lawyer's letters. I can't get a letter for the Secretary of State. I can't get in touch with this witness. can't get in touch with that witness. And that is exactly what they've done with them. They, 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 they denied them justice. How soon after Joe's arrest then were you able to communicate with him? Well, when Joseph got arrested... I, I was on a dirty protest at Peter Heed Prison at the time. There was probably about, probably about 80 years, maybe 10 years or so. What year was this? Yeah, 80, this one was about 83, 84. 83, 84. So this dirty protest was the longest in the main the mainland of Britain. Um, and it was um, the most serious one. Uh, they, they actually brought in, um, they brought a body over the island because they, they, they dealt with the, with, the, with, the, with the IRA prisoners when they were on the dirty protest back in the, back in the days. And uh, they brought a body over the island because uh, uh, the, the, the prison authorities in Peter had never seen nothing like it and they, and they couldn't cope because they were getting shit through the tap room on a daily basis, shit and piss, and then, of course shit and piss was getting strewed over the walls, in the cells, out the cells, governor's order room, keyholes, spy holes, you know, we put the whole place out of commission. So any other prisoner that was in the punish- any other prisoner that was in the halls, they couldn't get brought into the they couldn't get brought into the punishment block because there was nothing. There was no windows in any of the cells, and there was no sinks to empty the empty the, the piss and shit out. because there was no toilets in the cells because we took the sinks off and we bust all the pipes and was, so there was nothing, no running water whatsoever. So the the, the screws refused to the, the guards refused to clean up. So the shit, the shit was piling up, yeah. And then they brought a, they brought a, they brought a, a body over the island, and and for what we found out later on was that they, they said they had never seen, they had never seen anything like it. So at this moment in time, this particular moment in time, the the the, the, the authorities 
had seen an opportunity to 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 get on my case. And they say, Listen, we need to see you come the ones to see you in the order room and bear mind Joseph and Tommy's lying in the inside at this time. And uh, I got away down there and I say, Well what what is it you're wanting? I thought you're fucking gonna give me bad news or something with my ma or something like you know. Said, I don't normally talk to them and they don't normally send for me out. And he was like to me, he says, you know, you're, you know your mother's very worried, don't you? And I went, yeah, of course I fucking know she's all very worried. I said, but what are you worried about? You're never worried. If you fucking, when did you have a conscience about that? He went, well, I'm just thinking, how would you like to go down to Bellini to visit Joseph? And and, and be it, because Joseph was due up for trial. They were due up, they were due up trial for any, they were due up for, the trial was ending and any day they were, were going to get sentenced. I think it'd be a good idea, Johnny, if we go to you down to Blinney, then that way you can be be with Joseph. He says, uh, and, and control Joseph. And uh, you can get to see, see your mother doing that. So I went, are you okay then? I said, mm, are you okay? Well, I knew the, I knew the ploy, because they knew once they got me to that punishment block, the rest of the, the, rest of the gang would dissolve. Because I, I, I could have kept them gone, didn't I? You know I mean, I was the life and soul of the party. Pardon the pun, you know what I mean? And then I went, well, fuck it, you know what? I'm going to need to fucking, I'm going to need to take this opportunity and, and take advantage of it. Huh? So I went up with the cell block, back up the window, climbed onto the hammock, and I shouted to my friends. I went, listen, guys, this is the script here. And then they were quite sad that I was, that I was, I was leaving the vicinity. You know what I mean? But they, un- they understood. You know what I mean? And it, you know, and it's always good to be recruiting a bit. And when one goes, it's like fucking, it's like losing a limb or something. Do you know what I mean? So I said, no, I, 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 I need to go in here and get this sorted. So when I was in there, and, and, and Joseph, I got to see Joseph the day before he gets sentenced. Uh, <clears throat> Slash of garlic arranged a visit for me to go and visit Joseph in, in, a, in a prison cell. And, um, and I don't know, a couple of days later, well, I, I, I go through Joseph, we sat down and we spoke what happened and learned all about the verbal statements, and I was like, fucking hell, Joe, man. I'm like, oh my God, bro, I said, I don't know what the fuck. I said, I, 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 the only advice I can give you is, if that bastard finds you guilty, Joe, you need to go right to that fucking dock and grab that cunt with the teeth. Get your teeth right on that fucker's throat and tell him you're going to fucking rip it out. You want fucking an investigation immediately. But Joe's like, yeah, I shouldn't have a fucking day, Joe, man. You can't fucking sit back and let cunt do this to you. You've not got a weapon. You don't fucking need a weapon. You're a fucking set of teeth. You get the judge in the border. He's not a fucking old guy. You had a lot of fucking jackrabbit. So anyway, when he goes to court, they, of course, obviously at the dining hall in Bellini, and um, there's about fucking, I don't know, maybe 300 days in this dining hall. And um, the, the, it was a tea time, so it would have been the four o'clock news, and then it came out, and it was actually a news flash. There's, there's, there's radio that everybody... And normally the radio's playing, every, everybody's playing poker or playing a game of cards called Bella, or just sitting having a general chat. And they came here on newsflash, and the fucking whole place went deadly quiet, and fucking had a pin dropping. And it came here that uh, the ice cream war killers, Josh, Tommy Campbell and Josh Neal had been found guilty. Tommy Campbell was sentenced to 20 year 20 year recommendation in prison, and Joe was sentenced to life. And, uh, I said to that to a guy called Fish, Pally I went, Fish, turn that fucking thing off. And he he reached up and turned the turned the turned the radio off. 
And every cut just every cut was shot. I mean, every cut was fucking. Did his lawyer? Um, did he just have like a lawyer assigned to him by the by the state, like a public defender? But John, John, no, I think they had different lawyers. I'm not too sure if Tommy had John Carroll in the very, very beginning, but Joseph had another wee guy called Cobb. And uh, Mr. Cobb, he seemed to be under a hell of a lot of pressure. And I was, I'll tell you why, because when I organised the first the first uh, getaway for Joseph when I was in the Millennium Special Unit, because Joseph was in the home way to see my mother, who, was, who wasn't keeping too well, and I'd organised for Joseph to go on the roof at my ma's house. I'd also organised all the boys in the scheme to, to, to join, to join suit, and uh, to stay up there as long as we could. And I, I was also fighting my own case. I was also fighting my own case for, for, for an remission that they were holding me on. They were detaining me illegally on a five-year remission, on a, on a 60-day sentence. And um, so I'm, I'm saying to Joseph, you know, right, this is why we work this. If you stay up there as long as you can, Joe, I'll go and see the governor at the special unit and uh, I'll, 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 I'll convince him to let him out to try and talk you off this roof. I said, because they're going to be fucking devastated when you're up there because you've struck a major blowback and they'll, they'll do whatever they can to get you get you off that roof. But I'm in the bloody special unit at this time. And um, I said, so this is the trick, Joe. You stay up there as long as we can, bruh. Nothing to worry about. All the troops will be up there. Everybody will fling as much food up as they can get up to you. Curries, even you don't want them, just to give you moral support. And then I'm going to join. I say, so I'm going to go and see the governor and say, look, which I did. I had a, I had a, I had a wee bit of onion. I had a wee raw onion and a hanky. My handkerchief. And I went to see the governor. And while, while this is unfolding on television, that Joseph's on the roof and the TV crews out in the fucking cockles or other place. So I'm sitting in my cell in Millennium and I'm watching it unfold, right? And I'm like, right, now's my time. So I go round and chaps the, the governor's door. And I've got this wee onion and this hanky. So I'm at his door and I'm getting it all, I'm getting it this fucking pal and the tears are streaking down the, <laughs> the tears are streaking down the face. And they went, you okay, John? I went, no. I said, I'm not. I said, I'm fucking devastated. I said, my, my mother's fucking in an awful state. I said, and I've just watched the news there. My, my brother Joseph's on the roof. I says, and I, I, we, need, we, 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 I say, we'll need to get him off of there soon. I say, because my mama, my mother will not be able to cope much more with us. I says, and I'm quite prepared to sacrifice myself and go up there and talk him down. It was an actual fact. I was fucking going to batter onto the roof with him, and that was that was the whole plan. So I so I says to Joe, you stay on that fucking roof for as long as you can, brother. I says. And they think they can use me to talk you off that roof, because they, they see me as the guy that's settled in. I'm in the special unit by this time. They see me as a different Johnny Steele, the guy who's winning all these debates and, and getting involved in the arts. And, uh, and and the governor said, you really mean that, Johnny? And that's fucking onion burning my eyes now. I'm saying this, can't go me saying this, can't put the waterworks on. That's fucking <laughs> burning my eye. <laughs> and I'm like, I am, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm getting paranoid. I said, I bet this cunt can smell his onion. <laughs> so anyway, he says, right. So he says, right, okay then. So he's picked his phone up. And he's phoned, he's phoned somebody in the home office. And he said, I've got Johnny here, Joe Steele's bra. He says, um, he's an awful state. He said, he's, he's devastated that his brother... His brother has climbed onto the roof, and, that he, and his mother's in a hell of a mess. And um, 
and John Johnny's offered the, offered his services. He says he, he would like to go there and talk Joseph off that roof before before anything serious comes out of this. So whatever was going on the conversation on the, on this phone, he, he puts the phone down. And he says to me, "They really, they really appreciate that, Johnny." And uh, would you really be prepared to do that? And I went, I really need to get him off that roof. My fucking mother will end up devastated. I'd really get him done out of there. And they were like, okay, so we need you, Johnny. We'll, we'll, we'll call for you. Are you okay with that now? And I went, yeah, of course I'm not. Just do what you can to get me to, to talk to that, that, that brother and me and after there. So I'm away back to the cell and I'm like, yes, I fucking think I've cracked it. And uh, so I'm sitting and I'm watching it unfold. And we're going back to your question about the lawyers. I watched it unfold on the TV and I went, who the fuck is that, man? And I'm looking and I see his fucking, I see the serious crime squad there, the same concert footage. Joseph up there talking to Joe through the skylight in, in, in the attic. Joe's sitting on the roof and fucking all the, all the boys for the scheme and all the families for the scheme are out and, and showing their moral support for Joseph. Coppers are everywhere, fucking fire brigades there and ambulances are there. So anyway, I'm like, nice one, couldn't you have fucking happened a better time? Could I'm going to take advantage of this situation? Could I'm going to like, smash the fucking roof up anyway? I could have my remission back. So between me and Joe and a, lot, and, 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 a, and a great majority of the boys and, and the housing scheme and their families, all, all, all were protesters, no, no, great guys, all the guys. So they know the plan I've got. I've already put the plan into motion with them. They, they've already been, I've put word what, what, what exactly what I need done. So... But the trick is, if they let me out and I go into that roof to talk to Joseph, then I'm not coming fucking back down to the buildings, race to the ground. And by this time, the plan was all their, all their, all their families, all their pals and you know, the people we all grew up with, they're going to come on the roofs as well. So we're going to hit all the roofs in, the, in, this, in this, this small fucking housing scheme. And right the place, just to, to gain attention, because we really need to, we, we, we really need the attention. And you're not going to get it by writing a fucking letter. You know what I mean? You're not going to get that kind of attention by writing a letter. So you've got to go to drastic measures. So then the next thing I'm looking, and I see the two cockers, he's darting down and back into the manhole, into the skylight. And um, the fucking next thing I see, Joe's lawyers popped his head out. We guy called Cobb. And he's, and, and for what I can see, the body language, he's trying to talk Joseph down, down, down for the, for the rooftop. And I'm like, fucking never, man, never, never. And the fucking next thing I seen Joe, I don't know how long it was, man, next thing I seen Joe walking towards the skylight where the, where the coppers were and that, that wee guy called, called Cobb. And when, 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 when Joseph came down for, for the roof, the reporters were all heading up to my mother's and fucking trying to get a statement off me. But my mum never, she, she, my mum was frightened of that kind of thing. She shied away from that. She was never one for, for confronting anybody or, or to be confronted with, with such things, you know. And, um, but I noticed Mr Cobb never gave a statement on, on Joe's behalf. You know I mean, I was like, Joe, naughty. Fucking naughty, naughty. But anyway, the governor called for me. And he's like, oh, I've got great news for you. And I thought, fuck, I felt like kicking him right in the face. And I went, oh, have you, what is that? He went, well, Joseph's down. I, I fucking, I felt I should have fucking know it, but I was fucking devastated. But anyway, but Joe had never been in a position like that before. And he said, when you're, you talk about all these things, Johnny, it all sounds great and you visualise it. He said, but when you're up there, it's, in, it's entirely different. You know, I'd never, I could always say to Joseph, you've got to uncover yourself and shit, Joe. 
just fucking strip my butt naked, cover yourself in shit. I said, the public have never seen it before. I said, but that's a position you've been put in to gain fucking attention to the wrongdoings of the coppers. So I said to Joseph, I said, well, I don't mind getting involved, Joseph, fucking no disrespect to, to your real lawyer, but I don't want, I'll, I'll never do anything as long as you've got that guy representing you. And he said, oh, no, I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of him. And I went, well, I need the evidence, Joe. I want you to give me a letter out that I can get fucking out the door telling him that you no longer wish his services and I also need another letter saying that you want to take John Carroll on board. I'm sure John was Tommy Campbell's lawyer in the very first instance and John was the next copper himself. And that's exactly what Joe done. He, 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 he got rid of that. Can that be a lawyer? Can I went to... And I think we lawyer was under... He was severely intimidated with this serious crime squad mob. I think that we lawyer was, was under pressure and, and intimidated. Because what lawyer's not going to go to a, a reporter and say, that's my client up there, he's protesting his innocent. He never even done that. And that's why I'm like, Joe, pff, he's involved in the fucking skullduggery. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've written a book on making a murder about all the different ways the authorities use to set people up. Paying snitches to lie by letting them go free, planting evidence, the map, um, getting the lawyer to work for the prosecution, that's another one of the methods. So everything you're describing here in this, you know, this is one of the biggest cases of injustice in the Scottish um, history of Scottish penal system. Same old tactics that they use in America, same old tactics here, corrupt law enforcement use. Now, how old was Joe when he got arrested, and how long did it take before there was a trial? Well, it took, it took a good... Well, what happens, you get your appeal court, you get your appeal first and foremost, which is a very formal up and not, nothing to answer for out. So that, that, that's, that's the case that every, everybody who gets a, a high court sentence or a sentence, you've got an appeal. And you, you, you know that, especially in a case like that, there's, there's not going to be, it's not going to be a real appeal. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be not, nothing to answer for here, out, nothing to see here, move along. Do you know what I mean? One of the ones. So Joe was quite young. Joe was very young when he, when he, when he gets sentenced. Joe must have been in his early 20s. So he's in his early 20s. Yeah. So when he got arrested, he must have been about 20, wasn't he? Yeah, so he was early. No, he was in mid 20. He must have been 20, 20, 20, 22 or 23 or something. Joseph How long was he on remand? Well, back in the day, it was a four-month stunt on remand. Four you, you had to be up at court within uh, 110 days. Yeah. The trial had to be up and running within 110 days back back then. It's changed now. So that's quite fast, then. They had a trial yeah. quite quickly. Aye, aye, that's the way it was in Scotland then. But now, now they can take you up for a couple of, you on for a couple of years now. Eh? Yeah. So, four months, four months, I believe, they were untried. And... Um, and it took years of fighting before they it took years and years of fighting before they got a real appeal. You know, the real appeal was when they get put out in bail. When they get reached for the high court on on, on a bail. The other, the other appeal was just you just keep you locked up in custody. But one in one particular time after after we'd done so much skullduggery with the with the jail breaks and that they took them they finally got it back into the appeal courts. And um, they, they they got released on bail. How, how long did that take? Oh, that was years and years into it. Yeah, years and years into it. Is this a 12-year one? 
This is Joseph. This is this is the life sentence. This is this is well, Joseph. Doesn't the appeal at the twelve year mark after twelve years? Aye, aye. But they, they end up with two appeals. But okay. what happened was, in the, when the first first appeal, they they, they get released and um, pending this this so called fucking inquiry. There was. So they actually let them out. Pending the inquiry. Aye, pending this inquiry and went for a few years. Then. So what happened was I, got, I was staying in the Gelshire at the time and I got a phone call for Joe saying, I'm at court tomorrow, Johnny. I went, you're not going to kid me on. He went, no, I got a, got a phone call for, for John Carroll. They, they, they sprung it upon them. Back at court tomorrow. And I went, oh, fucking hell, Joe. I said, so, so what does John Carroll think? You know, I'm talking about Joseph's lawyer. He says, John's not got a clue. And I went, oh, said, that's a fucking bad sign. I said, I take that as a bad sign, Joseph. But you're telling me your lawyer's not got a clue. He's involved with all the court officials and he's no it's never been leaked to him that there's, there's something gonna go in your favour. I said, What that that I said, if I was you having to go to court. I wouldn't fucking go back to court, Joe. I'd go in the run. Yeah, oh, fuck all that, Johnny. And I went, sorry, it's saying fuck all that, Joe. As if your lawyer can tell you that he's got good news for you, then it's fucking bad news. And he went, Oh, I said, put Jim on. So Jim came on the phone. They're, they're in a pub in Benningans. They're, they're, they're in a pub in the housing scheme. I'm, in, I'm fucking 150 miles away in a country cottage away out in the middle of nowhere, 16 miles for the fucking nearest shop up a dirt track road. I said, put Jim on. So Jim comes on the phone. Now, I went, I don't like the sounds of this, Jim. I said, you're telling me John Carroll knows, doesn't know what's going to happen tomorrow at co-op. He went, ah, it'll be all right, Johnny. I went, no, fuck. I said, Jim, get him to fuck. Get him out of the road, man. I said, no, well, I'm wrong. He can hunt himself back in. I went, come on. I said, fucking hell, man. They've got to the appeal court tomorrow. There's no leaks anywhere in the court corridors to say that, that it's gone in their favour. I said, well, it's gone against, gone against them. Oh, fucking hell, Johnny. You know what to start with? I said, just come back down. You'll find that we're going to have a big party tonight in Bennington's. <laughs> I went, there'll be a fucking riot tonight, Jim and Bennigan's. So I went, who's all there? I put Big Joe, Mac- Big Joe McQuaid on. Big Joe comes on the phone. Big Pallio's brought this through the ranks. And his brother Kedgy. So Big Joe's there. And uh, Joe's like, I know what you're thinking, Johnny. He said, I know you're always on the ball. He says, but yeah, I'll be fine. Make your way through here. Just get through. There'll be a party. We're having a big party. Tomorrow we're having a street party. I went, you are all fucking crackers. I went, anybody else there? And a wee guy called Steph, uh, Steph McCroffy, Postal, he was Joe's best man. Joe got married when he was in the bill. He was the best man. I said, put Steph on. And Steph's like, I'm listening to what you're saying, Johnny boy. He says, nah, fucking, everything you've said so far has been bang on. Now, I don't want to fucking be the better bad news here. I mean, I said, but fucking somebody's going to have to wake up and smell the fucking coffee. Then I had the task, he phoned my poor mother, and I went, Mother, she went, Aye, son, you coming down? They're talking about having a party for Joe, and I was like, Listen, Matt, don't like to be better bad news. And she was nearly greeting me when I was telling her, I said, Ma, just fucking be prepared, be prepared. I've already told you this before, and I don't like to tell you these things, because I don't like to see you hurted, but I'm the only one you should fucking listen to, because it seems to be that I'm the only one that knows what we're talking about, Matt. And that's not even disrespectful to anybody else. I don't go through the system with my fucking eyes, my eyes closed. I said, I've got a bad feeling about the mother. And, and the bad feeling's coming for John Carroll's fucking silence. John Carroll doesn't know nothing. 
and um, and, I, and I don't like it, ma, so you better be prepared, girl. And I was fucking right, they went back to court the next day, and they fucking banged them fucking back into the jail again, no case to answer for. So, I was fucking right, there was a fucking riot in the scheme that night. The place was black with coppers, the, every street, they'd, they'd fucking horse, they'd horseback coppers out, they'd riot vans with the big shields on the windies, because <coughs> they were expecting trouble. In fact, when they all went to the appeal, when they went to the appeal court and they got dragged out, all the judges fucked off at the, at the back of the bench. And the court flunkies and fucking court officials all done a disappearance. They were left in the court themselves, all the visitors and all the families. All their families and, and, and some of the protesters were all locked in the fucking court. Because they knew there was going to be trouble and they were all kicking off. So... They, 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 they lost the appeal. They, they thought that had been the end of the matter. You know what I mean? But I, I, I had that bad feeling when John Carroll, because John, John Carroll was, he was an ex-copper, John Carroll, and, he, and I think John I think John left the force because they were out chasing a, a guy during a robbery. The guy was a wee pal of yours, actually. And uh, John Carroll was working along these other coppers who were on the chase, hunting this guy down. <clears throat> and they... Uh, by the time fucking John Carroll gets back to the police station with other coppers and, and I've apprehended the boy, <coughs> John Carroll said that there was, there was verbal, there was verbal used there, he says, that I, that I didn't know nothing about. And when he seen the way that, that the coppers were working, he using skullduggery to, to gain convictions, John Carroll left the, the police force and became a lawyer, and, and a very good one at that. And um, so they end up back in the jail. So you can imagine the hullabaloo, you know. And they're talking about fucking, oh, there's talks about escapes. So I fell out with them all. Cause I, anybody, I, I fell out with my brother Jim. And I went, I fucking told you to listen to me. Because I had Joe away. Because I had my way back down. And now we've got to go and fucking break him out of jails. I said, we've done all this work for fuck all. I said, and I told you not to let him go back to the court. Could have had a bad feeling about that. And suddenly you've all become fucking Philadelphia lawyers and you're telling me, no, 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 this will happen or not happen. So it was quite a shock when when, when, when they went back. But like I say, the, the, the police were out in full force in, in the housing scheme. The right vans and motorbikes and horseback, dog patrol, you know, because it was, it, was, it was ready for kicking off, you know, and a lot of people were really upset. But then they, they must have thought that was the end of the matter, but it wasn't, it wasn't the end of the matter at all. It was a long, hard fight to, 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 to get them to where they should have been, back in the appeal court. Didn't it reach a point where the two jailhouse snitches, including Love, said that they didn't say the things that they... Yeah, the, the, police, I, I, they, the police they, wrote those statements and told them to sign it or else they, they were going to charge them. Yeah, they, they, they used that... Tommy Campbell and, and Joseph's lawyers used that, but you're talking about at court, and um, they, 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 they had retracted their statements, that Billy Love and whoever else, but they, they, they said, no, 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 they wouldn't budge on that, they went, no, no, it still stands. So they accepted that these guys had lied. They knew they were liars. But they, they kept the conviction standing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They knew, they, knew, they knew they were liars. They were proven liars. That's from Alice in Wonderland, just the system yeah. stuff right there. Yeah, well, you know what? They, they, they'd they been getting away with this kind of thing for long and weary, the, the, the serious crime squad. 
and that, and they just picked the wrong guys for the wrong case, because that that, 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 that was never a, if that had been an ordinary assault and robbery or something like that, maybe, maybe not put up so much a fight, but because it was a fucking terrible crime, and to be fitted up for such a horrific crime, be fucking a corrupted fucking police force, then you know, that was a no-no, you know what I mean? So you had to take the fight back to them, that much I did know. And that's what I planned for the very beginning, to take the fight straight to him. And I, I, I sat down with Joseph, and I wouldn't have done for Joseph. Me and him sat down and spoke about it, and he was all in agreement with me. You know, right up to, even right up to, where I, come, I said, I'll come fucking break you any jail you're in. I, even though I've got to get to jail myself, then I said, we'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get you fucking, but the only way we're going to get out of here is, is, is getting the publicity and turning the big guns back on these cunts that fitted us up. These dirty rotten serious crime squads have been doing it over the country. And they'd never come up against anything like it. They'd, they'd, never, seen, they'd never seen a force like us. That's not to say there's no serious forces running about over the country. There's a lot of serious, serious contenders out there. But they were never in the position that we were in to, to, to put that fight up. And we, we, we did have a lot of... We did have a lot of backing for a lot of, a lot of different uh, mafia families all over the country. You know, worried fucking worried away right through for Glasgow to Paisley, Greenock, London and Surrey and all over Liverpool, Galeshire. So there was always, always, because the fight was against the system that everybody grew up with and everybody had suffered at one point or another. So... They'd never, the coppers had never, there was a stage when I, I was walking the road, the fucking coppers were falling on the motors. Because I'd, I'd been done for breaking, breaking all the boys that he saw in prison, when I wanted to break Joseph, I think six, five or six in my escape. And I'd be walking down the road with my daughter, and I'd hear the engine, I'd hear the, I'd hear the familiar ticking of a, a fucking diesel engine, and I'd look back in the coppers. Ah, you're not be going too fucking far, you're not be going too far for us, still. You know, we know what you're up to. But it just had to, it just had to be done, and it was a lot of hard work. But they had never seen, they had never seen a force like it. They had never, the coppers had never been put. They, they, they were never, they didn't need to ever put up such a fight as the one we we brought to them. So they were on the ropes for, for every angle. They, they, they didn't know when it was fucking going to stop. They didn't know what was going to come. Because it was happening here, there, and everywhere. Suddenly we were all coming out the woodwork. So people on YouTube who've watched your other podcast, The Escape Artist, on my channel, the description is, was going to be in the box um, below this video. Johnny Boy escaped multiple times. It's what's so fascinating about his story. Adept. Um, I was just taken today to one of the prisons and looked at the wall and the height from where he did one of his escapes. just blew my mind. I would have broke my neck if I'd have tried to get down there. And we, t we discussed some of that in the previous podcasts. So they've gone up against you you and your entire family now. You're putting your mind together, coming up with these strategies to draw attention to the case and to hit back against these corrupt authorities. What was the first time Joe escaped then? First time was one I told you about there when I organised it for my, my cell in Bellini Prison okay. in the special unit. That was actually that, that was, was all we discussed. Yeah. Yeah. And um the the next one was something similar for for another um, home visit. And uh, that was the one we we took him to Buckingham Palace and uh, 
the, 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 the trick was there was to, to, to gain as much publicity as we could. So we couldn't think of a better place other than the Palace Gates. Two big massive pallet gates. There's an actual photo out there of the Queen looking through her curtain, and this guy who's super glued to the Buckingham Palace gates. Yeah, yeah, it's quite an iconic photograph, eh, <coughs> Joseph, because we've got him, we've got him handcuffed first and foremost, and um, we've also super glued his palms, his hands wrapped on the on the, on the railings. He's a um, He's very beautiful ornate railings, Victorian railings. And um and we've got my T shirt on with the crucifixion on it. Jesus on the cross and Joseph's positioned on the railings as Jesus was on the cross. So if you're looking at Joseph crucified style on on the palace gates. Then you see the T-shirt with Jesus crucified on the cross. There's the exact same kind, of, same, kind of, same kind of symbol, you know. But we're meaning to it, you know. Um, and there's this copper. These London copper with the big tall hats, you know. And he's almost nose to nose with your Joan. He's looking as if... He's looking as if he can't believe it. <laughs> I think I've seen... Uh, I, think you've, I think you've got the photograph on your podcast, yeah. eh? So we're all standing there, we're all chatting, and, and, and this other cutter's come out, and he's got the bolt cutters. So they think it's just a case of going, going snip, snip, and taking Joseph off the gates. So when they've got the cuffs off and they're ready to pull him, I'd be like, oh, fucking, whoa, 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 he's, he's super glued. They're like, what? He's like, fucking guy's super glued. And they're like, never. So they had to, they had to, get, the, they had to get the fire brigade paramedics and fucking the place was swarming but yeah somebody was seen to be peeking at the somebody was seen to be peeking at one of the windows somebody said it was a queen peeking at one of all the commotion was because there's, there's about hundreds of all cheering and chanting and big banners up fucking free Joe Steele Joe Steele was innocent but that 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 opened up that took the case further afield because that photograph was spectacular and it was nearly every newspaper over the country. And it was a real one of the best, one of the best photographs I've ever seen as, as far as escaping from jail was concerned. You know. But before we continue, um, Fiona's here, so we're going to do a break now. Are we? Oh, yeah. she's down yeah. there. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to tell us who was involved in the, one of the escapes? Yeah. Well, when I was in the cages um, in Vanes Prison. There was a priest who used to come around and visit me once a week, Father MacDonald, Father Bernard MacDonald. He was a lovely wee guy, yeah. So he turns up, and of course I'm on the dirty protest, and I, I felt embarrassed, and I thought, never, so I says to the, the turnkey, put the light out. I said, can I kind of look this guy in the eye? And I said, it's rather embarrassing. And uh, the wee Father MacDonald said, oh, don't worry about that, son, it's OK. I'm here for you, for your soul. He says, never mind anything else. So we became quite pally, <coughs> me and Father MacDonald. I said, well, let me make one thing quite clear to you. I said, I ain't interested in talking about religion. And I've not got any time for him up there. And I said, and he ain't got any time for me. I said, so to me, it's a taboo subject. I said, I don't want to talk about it. He said, I don't mind that at all. So he said, I'll talk to you then. So I was sitting telling him my, my, my life as a child. On the run for the prayer schools and... 
Um, in fact, he'd actually been to visit my preschool, St Joseph's Boys of Preschool, which was, a, which was run by the De La Salle brothers, you know, just like monks. And uh, funny enough, he'd been there. He'd brought a team of football players for the Highlands, didn't he, play the, the kids in, in their preschool. Anyway, and that was the kind of thing that we spoke about. And um, so, and, and he came to visit me when I left the prison. He came to visit me in a special unit and he brought his brothers up and his brother's wife. And so we always kept in touch, you know, and he was such a lovely guy. <clears throat> but before I left, I felt my conscience was getting the better of me and I thought, I want to get this wee guy in my confession. I said, well, I can be here all fucking week. So I thought, and then anyway, and the guards were eerie wigging. I mean, eerie, eerie, and I didn't even want to afraid of hearing anything, you know what I mean? <coughs> so I wrote this bit of verse for him, it's called Fool's Gold, and I went, well, you know what, I'll, I'll give him a confession, but I'll just give him a wee bit of paper. And I wrote this bit of verse called Fool's Gold, and, um, and it goes like, I went in search of gold, Father, with blood upon my hands. Without this gold, my life seemed cold, yet with it, life was grand. I went and sought this gold with one foot in the fire. Ah, so much gold to have and to hold somehow strengthened my desire. But now that I have this precious metal, which gave me such a thrill, it seems my mind will never settle, and it screams it never will. One careless step, a thoughtless deed, and I've thrown away my life. To steal this gold there was no need, nor to spill blood with my knife. Many long years have now gone past, and now all the gold is spent, and for me the end is coming fast, yet my soul ain't worth a cent. Every day it haunts me, there's a whisper in the cold, and I fear the devil will want me, as I the gold. So I gave him that, and I said, don't show the bastards that. Don't let him take that off you. So, and when he came to visit me, um, and, and the Blinney Special Unit, and, and we kept in touch. He had that, he had that wallet, and he, and, and he had that poem in his wallet for all the years. And we used to go in the chapels. He used to read out to the prisoners that would go to the, the hospitals to see prisoners that was on drugs or dying prisoners. Wow. And he had it right up to the day he died. And he was a great guy. So there was a time when me and Joe were on the run um, when I broke him out of Sockton, and we're, we're being put up here, there, and everywhere. But there was a, a particular, particularly big Stuart, big Stuart Gillespie for Paisley. <clears throat> Stuart had a lot of property, a lot of place in Paisley. So he says, right, I can put you up, put you out the way for a, put you out the road for a while. He says, uh, see if we get something sorted out. So, while well, me and Joseph's um, in this fella's flat, when he, when his properties, I had a thought. And I said to Joe, could we we'll try to figure out what, what, what our next move could be? And I'm saying to Joseph, I said, I've got an idea, Joe. I says, um, I need to phone Father MacDonald. <clears throat> so I, I, I've, I've always had Father MacDonald's phone number, you know. And um, so I phoned Father MacDonald. And, of course, he's a bit on the nest, we're in Paisley. He said, oh, Johnny, he said, Johnny, Johnny, he said, my son, how are you? And I went, I'm fine, Father. You still got that bit of verse? And he went, oh, it's never left my wallet. I went, I wonder if you could help me out for your father. And he says, what, what can I do for you? And how's Joe, how's your mother? Because he met my family in the unit. You know, how's the family, sisters? How's Joseph? I've read, I've been reading all about the escapes and, oh, and Johnny, we're praying for him and I hope he gets a result, you know. 
that that kind of way, you know. And I went, yeah, he's fine. I said, he's actually sitting here with me right now. <coughs> I said, I need to ask you something for up. I said, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find if we can get sanctuary anywhere in the British Isles, where for me and Joe to holler up, because there's a massive search for Joseph by this time. And he says to me, I'm not too sure about that one. He says, I'd need to go to the library and, and check that. And uh, he said, and I will do that. He said, and I will get back to you. I said, well, in the meantime, Father, I says, Joseph wants to talk to you. I says, because he that Joseph was pally with a nun, Sister Teresa, who was who worked in the in the in the Sockton prison. And he was quite fond of her, and she was quite fond of him. And um, so Joseph, I put Joseph on the phone to Father MacDonald. And Joseph was talking away to him, and then he says to Father MacDonald, do you think you could get me a contact number for Sister Teresa? And he says, oh, I'll be able to do that for you. And he says, in fact, I'm going to do that now. And he phoned back with, with Sister Teresa's phone number. So Joseph was sitting talking to wee Sister Teresa on the, on, the, on the phone for about half an hour. And we were on a loudspeaker, you know. And it was such an emotional... It was, it was so emotional. It was so indifferent for the, for the rest of the involvements we were in in the, in, in the past with the escapes. Because it was all gang-related and all skullduggery that was involved in helping. And then suddenly we had a priest and a nun who, who were trying to find out if we could get sanctuary in the, in the British Isles somewhere. And uh, it really was quite emotional. We didn't mean to have that kind of backing for the outside. And they were talking about, we've got all the help, we've got all the help for you up, him, him up there. And you can do what you did in here and we'll do the help for you up. We'll, we'll pray and we'll, all the, all, everybody's praying for you and praying for Joseph. And so... He got back to us about oh, five o'clock and six o'clock in the morning, and he says to me, "He said I, I've not got good news, Johnny. He said the last loophole was closed about eighteen months ago in Ireland because the, the, the IRA, the IRA uh, soldiers were were using the, 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 the churches, the chapels over in Ireland for sanctuary, and, and the government couldn't get to get them out because it was the house of the Lord. So, but that one fell through, but it was still it was still worth a try, you know." But I'd like to pay tribute to wee Father MacDonald. He was such a lovely guy, you know, and he, yeah. he, really, he really was. And I only ever regret that I never gave him my confession, but I, 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 he said I'd done the next best thing <laughs> and give him that wee bit of verse. So. so Joseph served almost 20 years for a crime he hadn't committed. Yeah. In the end, how did he get out? He got took back up to the appeal court and uh, John Carroll, who was Joseph's lawyer, at the time, um, he 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 had been to see a linguistic expert uh, because of this verbal statement that Joseph was supposed to have said it uh, wasn't immediately like the match, and th this guy was an expert on this, and um, he 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 was saying as if, if there's five or six people and suddenly something gets spurted out of the blue. And not everybody's going to remember it word for word. They might say the same sort of thing, but it would mumble-jumble. I didn't like the match, it was somebody else. It wasn't me to like the match. Oh, I don't know who liked the match. That's the way John Carroll's putting that across. Plus, they brought all their other evidence back up. They're a liar, bully liar, a bully love, bully liar. And um, and, and, and a, lot of other, a lot of other flaws in, in the statements. And... Um, they probably knew that the, the case was new, but this time we've got a massive, we've got a, a registered, um, we've got a registered, um, what do you call it, uh, 
for fighting for fighting cases. We are we're registered now. We're 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 a big committee. We're actually fighting legally. We've got Tommy Sheridan and politicians and coppers and we've got everybody on your side. This this big group of people, you know what I mean? And we're we're starting to get TV documents done it and you know family members appearing on 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 shows talking about Joe's case and Tommy's case. So the momentum was still going strong. So there was no way it was that was that was loosening up. And um, they must have decided at the end of the day, you know, what we better just throw the towel in here because this this is just getting worse. This isn't going to go away. And um, they went to they went to the appeal court, and um, surprisingly, the judge up out out. I was there. I, I went back to the jail with George. Joe said he'd go back to the prison to go and pick up his stuff, and uh, we drove him back home. How did that feel? I don't know how it must have felt for Joseph, but it must have been one bloody hell of a weight off his shoulders, because that was the weight of the world on top of him, you know what I mean? And how did it feel for you? Oh, that was so relieved. I was greeting. I was crying, man. I, fucking, I was crying. I, that, I was trying to bring the tears back into my eyes so that it looked as if it was not. It was running down my face. <laughs> didn't want anybody to see me crying. No audience this time. Yeah, and I thought, no, no. But it was great. It was the greatest feeling ever for me. And it must have been the, it must have been the same for Joseph, but then you, you you've got to take into consideration the, the, the damage that must have done to done to Joseph's head, there. Yeah, the heart. And Tommy. As well, didn't he? Yeah, you've got to take into consideration that the damage done uh, being convicted of that crime in the first place, first and foremost, and then secondly losing it and his son growing up, and then 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 it has a terrible strain on the on the relationship. The relationship does dies. But he still had a good good bond going that his wife was turned up to the protest and his son ended up getting involved in the protest. So I don't really know how how Joseph... I don't know. I mean, he could have been so scrambled that he might not even take it on borders of yet. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes that happens. But we were so, we were so relieved. And uh, John Carroll, his lawyer, he, he comes at the high court and um, and I'm saying, oh, John, man, yes, the lawyer, no, John Carroll, man. And I went, what a, what a, what a show, man. And I went, John, there's all the reporters earlier. You, you should better go and talk to them. He went, I can't, Mr. Steele. He said, I've got another client to deal with further down the road. And walked away for the publicity and, and went and dealt with another guy in another court. A great, great lawyer he was, man, isn't he? Really, really great lawyer. And he'd done a lot of work and he didn't even get paid for it through the lead. You know, so we're, we're quite indebted to John John Carroll as well, you know, and I'd like to pay, pay my respect to John. I mean, and of course, Joseph knows Joseph knows the work John Carroll put in uh, to, to, to help to, to fight that conviction. So they finally got released, but it was after a long time. But uh, the, 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 the issue that's never been, never been raised is where are these guys that fucking fitted them up? Why have they not been taken to task? Who, how are they not taking these guys to task? These, you can't just have people run the boot who are meant to be protecting us, fitting members of the public up, and, and, and getting these, getting these horrible convictions. You know, they're going the pats in the back, and the other guys are getting smothered and fucking and, and solitary confinement, and nobody was ever held accountable. So, and as John Tommy says. There was no winners. Mrs. Doyle didn't even get justice. I mean, there wasn't any really winners in that 
the Rowlands were the winners at that moment in time was the Coppers. But then, as Joe Steele says, when he got to prison and, and Joe gave an interview, Joe says, well, they know who they are and they're the ones who need to go home and live with it. My conscience is clear. They need to look in the mirror, need to live with their family, need to live with their colleagues, and everybody knows what they've done. Do you think because, in America it's called absolute immunity, do you think because there is no repercussions for the authorities, that's an incentive for them to be, you know, yeah, continue to do course. this? Yeah, of course. Fucking dear God. That's not been any repercussions for us being criminals. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. <laughs> I mean, think about that. They'd be like asking, you know, when these investigations all take place, he'd be well asking Pablo Escobar to investigate the fucking Mexican mafia. <laughs> so I mean, because they, these investigations are internal, so they've got the serious crime squad investing the serious crime squad. And you've got another, you've got another police force investigating one, 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 one police force, and it's and it's all they've got it to a T. They had it sewed up. They had it sewed up back in the day. They, they could do what they really wanted when it came to, to, to manufacturing the evidence. They had it sewed up and they got away with it for so long. And then there comes a time, you know, and people go, whoa, 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 whoa. Then you've got the Birmingham 6, then you've got the Gulf of Four, you've got the Paddy Meekin case. You know, there's dozens of cases out there. But back in the day, a lawyer wouldn't even stand up in a court and call a copper a fucking liar. Oh, that's unethical, we can't do that. You will get yourself to fuck, and I'll call him a fucking liar. Because they did their duty towards the court. You know, they wouldn't go after the rules. And, you know, and, I mean, you know why? Because the whole system was corrupt. I'm not saying all lawyers are all, all corrupt, but the system's corrupt. The, the, system, the system is geared to not be, benefic not to be beneficial to, 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 to the underdog. You know, to give you an example, there's pocket officials holding back evidence that was released at that moment in time that prisoners wouldn't have been convicted. And if that's what is holding back information to the coppers, we get fucking charged with holding information. So, it's so terribly wrong, Sean, Sean, as you know, and I just say you know a few, a few cases yourself. But... There were no checks and balances back in the day. The coppers had the free reign. They were the most powerful gang next to the politicians. And and what they then was was, was was policy. That was, you know, they, they say to the politicians, well, we can't get these guns. And they say, well, we'll get them one way or the other. But it didn't matter who they were going for. They were picking the wrong people up and, and getting people for things that they had never, ever done. So it was policy back in the day to, to use that kind of a... Yeah, that kind of a... Skullduggery to, to gain a conviction. Anybody, anybody, there was nobody, nobody to confront them. Nobody had the balls to confront them. And the other great tragedy is for the Doyle family because they thought the police told them we've got the guys who did it. Yeah. They thought <clears> there was going to be justice, and now to this day, this is still unsolved. Yeah, well, you know, when when we, we were planning the escape, when me and Joe were planning the escape back in the day. And we were talking about Mrs. Doyle and I went, you know, the, the thing is, Joe, but as me and you getting out of this wall, as of now, hey, these cunts are going to have you doing a fucking a monster on the run and, and poor Mrs. Doyle might become intimidated and threatened. So I went, first and foremost, get a letter out to Mrs. Doyle telling her what your intentions are. This is my intentions is to fight this for the rest of my life, Mrs. Doyle. And, uh, and if I get a chance to get over that wall, you've got nothing to worry about, you've got nothing to fear. 
I've nothing to do with the, the death of your family, and, and he did. We did. He did write a letter, and we, we smuggled it through a reporter. And uh, as far as we know, Mrs. Doyle wrote the letter, but we didn't want to start taking Joseph out for the coppers to, to to put him down as a monster, monster on the list. I mean, yeah. So you you, you, had, you had to you had to kind of try and safeguard yourself and and and, and take into Mrs. Doyle's feelings. If Joe have made an appearance on the other side of that wall, and then you never know, they could be saying, well, we'll put it in your, in your safe house yeah. to intimidate and terrorise the poor, poor soul, you know what I mean? But it's just unfortunate that Joe's, Joe's not really into interviews, Sean, you know what I mean? I'd like Joe, I'd like Joe to have been here. I'd like to have actually seen him and Tommy Campbell sit together yeah, on, on, your, on your podcast, you know what I mean? It's an important story. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's one of the most important miscarriages um, of justice. You, you've, you've told it very well here today. You know, I, I, I served just under six years and I felt I was starting to get institutionalised. But to serve almost 20 years, I can't imagine, you know, how that must have affected uh, Joe's mind over the years and how, when he got released, how yeah. he readjusted yeah. back to but it's a, it's a, it's society. But it's a different kind of institutionalisation that you're talking about, two innocent men. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was me and you. Yeah. We've done then some robberies or whatever the case maybe, and then we get caught. Yeah. Then we become a social. It's different, but to be to 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 be detained illegally and and to be fitted up for such fucking horrific murders. Yeah, yeah. And kept the fucking solitary for all the years. So I many think institutionalisation would come into it. I think it would fucking you need to, the Mental Torture Act. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? The, the, you really need you, and you know what? And there was a guy called Terry Waite, and they disrespected Terry Waite. Yeah, no due respect to him. Guy called Terry Waite back in the back in the eighties. Um, Gaddafi's mob kidnapped some some British. They took some British hostages. One was a woman. She was pregnant, and um, the this politician Terry Waite says the he sent word to to, to, the, to the hostage takers. I'm quite willing to trade myself for a pregnant woman. So, so they went, OK then, well, you can take her and we'll take you. So they held Terry Waite for about four years or so. And it was a massive story. It was all over, all over, all over the world it was. Terry Waite goes, goes in this hostage place to let the pregnant woman go. And, um, you know, and I kind of followed the story every now and again. And, and they, they always had, they always had um, an outside body checking in on the, on, the, on the hostages and they were getting fed well and, and that kind of thing. But then, uh, uh, then, then came the day that, 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 that they were getting released, Terry Waite included. And I'm sitting watching it unfold in the prison. On, on, uh, on, uh, Terry's, Terry's been held for about four years by this time. And I'm watching it unfold on television that they've been releasing and you, and you see the... You see the I'm quite sure it was a military airplane that brought them back to, to, to land in Heathrow or wherever. And there was a fucking horde of psychiatrists and psychologists waiting at the plane to take them away and debrief them. And I thought, cheeky bastards. You know, and like I say, no nee, nee, nee disrespect to Terry, and I said, dirty, cheeky bastards. Fucking guys in these jails for me all their life. And they go to that gate, and there's not even a fucking, there's not even, there's not even a pally fucking, a probation officer with learning difficulties waiting to, to tutor you. Yeah. And I thought they should be doing that with, with everybody, because we're all being held against for well, no matter what way you want to look at it, we're being held prisoner, held hostage, it's the same thing. But they, they, they were quick to come round Terry, wait, 
only because of the amount of publicity that Terry Waite had gained throughout the whole wide world and the eyes of the world were on, on, on that plane. You know, but when it comes to a, to a prisoner doing a long-term sentence, he's at that gate. He's got nothing but a bundle on, on his back. And if he's not got any friends, he, he's, he's even more fucked. And he may be sent, and there's a letter to, to, there's a form, take that to the homeless unit and banged up in, in sort of homeless units. But there's no, there's no, there's, there's really, there certainly wasn't then, I don't know about now, but there was no, nobody there to meet you, to debrief you, to try and get into your head, you know, to, to, to try and see the damage that the, the prison system have done. Because that's what, that's what the prison's geared to, to make you, to destroy you, to deter you, to break your spirit, to deter you forever re-offending again. And it's that fucking breaking the spirit, which people think is an invisible fucking aura that's in there. It's that. That's what they're talking about, breaking the mind. And when they dare are damnedest to break that mind through psychological, more so psychological torture and abuse, and on top of that you've also got the physical... You know, but that, that's going for a long period of time. There's bound to be catastrophic consequences. And poor guys, and, and, and many times you picked up a newspaper and you went like, oh, there's a judge sentencing a guy to 20 years. And the judge saying, I'm bloody sick of this. You're just out after doing 15 years. Well, you know what? I'll make a lesson to you. And he sentenced the guy. They think the guys are coming back out and, and doing that to them, thumb, putting their thumbs up to them. The guys are coming out with a heat scrambled. The heat are totally fucked. Some guys are good at hiding it. Some people can't express themselves. Some people, some people hide it that well. It's bad that they end up on drugs to forget about it. And then they, when they're sober up, they go to go back on the drugs again. Like the whole system completely wrong. You know what they what were allowed to get away with internally in the prisons, and what the cops were allowed to get away with externally was absolutely shocking. Yeah. Absolutely bloody shocking. Well, you've done a brilliant job, Johnny, of describing this really moving and important story. Mm. And I've got one more wee story to tell you. I'll yeah. tell you a couple of minutes. When I was a Go kid, when I was a kid in the Prue School, St Joseph's Boys of Prue School, Trinent, Edinburgh, that was run by the monks, the De La Salle brothers, and um, they, they were kind of they were kind of religious fanatics, and whatever you'd done wrong, they seemed to think it was the devil within you, and they thought that they could beat the devil out of you. But there's one guy in particular, this guy called um, Brother Benedict. His real name was Mister Murphy. His brother's name was Brother Benedict, but his nickname was Big Bootsy, right? So. And I'm telling you this story because I wrote about this many, many years ago, 1992. I wrote about this particular incident, and it only came to light in the last, in the last year or so. When when we were all kids, we were we weren't allowed to smoke in the preschool. We were all school kids. We were 12 and 13. So this guy has just started his brother Bootsy, brother Benedict, and um, and he deliberately left his left his room door open because we were all going by his room to go to the corridor, go along the corridor to the dining hall or to, or to our dormitories. So I'm buying and I spotted this tobacco tin on, on this big wooden desk. So my pal went, did you clock that there, Johnny? And I said, I'm on to it. I'm going, I'll have that in a fucking minute. Just keep the cock watch. So I've darted back and I've ran into the, this guy's room to, to grab this tobacco tin. But I've got, I've, I've got electrocuted. He's had it wired up. He's had, he's had, the, he had the tin wired up there. So anyway, I'm, I'm, rattling, I'm rattling rolling about the flare. Mm. He's skinny legs and he's fucking long corduroy shorts on. Mm. 
you know, like, it was like taking a fit, you know, like a convulsion. This big fucking crackpot's kicking me and punching me. So anyway, I wrote about it many years ago, and uh, and I wrote about a lot of a lot of horrific things, and you know what was going on in these places. And um, I got a phone call for a pal of mine one day. In fact, it was Big John. Big John said, "Me, you seen the you seen the newspapers?" And I went, "No." He went, "Big Butch is down fourteen years." And I went, "You fucking kid me on what for? I thought he'd murder somebody in his retirement." He went, "Go and get the go and get the day's paper." And what happened was there was kids for your way back came forward, and they, they made the complaint, and they, 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 they finally they charged him with, with, with this mental torture, physical torture. When you're trying to tell people this was happening to you in fucking twelve years of age, they 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 did nothing. They wouldn't do nothing about it, or, or they didn't even seem shocked. And I'm thinking, you don't get anybody to turn in, there's no checks and balances. But the big brother, the big monk, end up doing 14 years. He's still in prison to this day. He only got, only got it two years ago for doing what I wrote about all these years ago. You know, talking about a corrupt system, do you know what I mean? The, 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 the deal of Sal Brothers. I'm not saying they were all corrupt, but some were fanatics. You know, yeah. some were all just fanatics, which isn't a good thing at all, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, he, he's doing a 14 stretch now. And um, that was the kind of thing she done to us as kids. And it, it, that may have been a laugh to him, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it certainly wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't ever a laugh to us. But uh, all, all across the board, you know, in every, every, uh, every party, the establishment, romance homes, preschools, prisons, women's prisons, cop shops, parliament, house of commons, high court judges, all across the spectrum, was corruption. Corruption to the highest level, yeah. and I knew that from an early age, and was never in a position to voice my opinion. And if you did voice your opinion, it would, it would cost you a fucking letter, and you'd have been lettered and laughed at and mocked at because you couldn't. When you, you, you started to bring us to a higher attention, like say, like say, like say, a judge, he was going, "Nah, because they're all involved in that. All the, all the judges are all involved in all the skullduggery." Then they had, then they had, they had, um, they had fucking reports into the into the homes we were in, and um, the the guy who led the report into into the into the abuse that was going in the preschool was part of a fucking pedophile ring. He was he was one of the top social workers in the country. He was after he came from England, they brought him in as an independent, and he and he exonerated all the sexual abuse, but found that found that. Um, that some some the regime needed change, and that all they did was change the regime a wee bit. But nobody was ever nobody was ever brought to task. And and and, and I've got the reports now that this guy, the coppers have got they had him done as one of the one of the one of the most dangerous guys in the country, because he was in a position to, to he was he was he was in, he was in charge of the whole education department that covers schools and boarding schools, the preschools, schools, led to these schools. And he was part of the biggest or- running organised fucking pedo gangs in the whole country. Yeah. It's mind blowing, isn't it? Yeah. So if you've enjoyed this interview, please put comments below the video. If you've got any questions for Johnny Boy, I'm sure we'll be having him back on the podcast. In the description box below this video, we've got Johnny's other two podcasts. We've also got a link there for the Blink podcast. And if you would like to see Joe, Johnny's brother, he did do an interview with James English, 
going to put the link in the description box below. If you'd like to see Joe come on to this podcast, please put your messages for Joe below. I mean, to go for almost 20 years, to literally be kidnapped and tortured for almost 20 years, for Joe to have the mental strength, the bravery, the fortitude to get through this, you know, I, I salute him and I hope hearing this story, you guys out there in YouTube, put supportive comments and if you would like Joe to come on the podcast, put a message to Joe asking him and perhaps if enough of you put supportive comments and messages and Joe reads these, maybe Joe will actually consider coming on the podcast himself and giving his version of events, which Johnny Boy has brilliantly described today and appreciate you uh, your time again you're it's welcome been, sir it's been a great pleasure thank you cheers yeah well done thanks for